Hi folks, welcome to the Seiko Sandlot. We're so glad that you could join us today. I'm your host, Charles Duncan. And I'm also your host, Zach Berman. How's it going, Zach? It's, it's good to finally be alive and, and to see you and finally, you know, have a conversation. It sucks that we got to do it through Zoom, but, you know, it's, it's fun. You know, we're, we're able to do this and we're going strong still. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? All right. I am an incoming junior University of Missouri. I hail from the wonderful, beautiful, best state on the planet, New Jersey which is where I am currently riding out the pandemic. I am a journalism major. I hope to go into play-by-play, preferably baseball, but really you could throw anything at me and I'd take it head on. And I was supposed to be on the broadcast team for the Saints this summer. However, there are no games to broadcast. So podcasting it is. And I can't say I would rather be doing anything else right now. I know, man. I wish I was in the broadcast booth with you. I was also supposed to be one of those lucky few in the broadcast booth, looking down at those bright college young faces and, you know, calling games in the summer sun. But instead, we're stuck at home. We're inside. It's hot. So we probably got the air on. I don't know how hot it is in Jersey today, but I'm sure it's it's pretty toasty right now. And um you know, it's, it's, it's at least good to be on. At least we can interact with each other. And I'm local. I'm from USC. I was a broadcast journalism major, a marketing minor, a minor in sports media industries as well. And I found the Saints just through a, a random Indeed uh, job application and really clicked right away with the group. And I really just wanted to broadcast. I love baseball. I hope to get into broadcasting soon. I've done a few podcasts as well. And I, I've been playing baseball or involved with baseball since I can remember, since I was about five years old, I was playing farm for uh, my Angels farm team. <laughs> so, so it's been good. You know, it's, it's good to, to at least be working virtually with you and, and to do this podcast. I'm excited. We got a lot of great guests in the summer and, you know, it's going to be fun, man. We're going to make it fun. We're going to make the best of it. And I think it's going to be a good time and it'll give us some great contacts. You know, we, we love our, our contacts so far. Um, shout out to, you know, Tom Stafford and, and Nicholas Gorman for, for taking us on and for, for always being there. They're uh, our, basically our managers at the Oreo Seiko um, team. So yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. And Zach, is, is there anything that you want to tell us before you know, we get started with our first interview? You know what? I'm hyped. I mean, look, obviously when I applied for the, for the position, this wasn't what I was expecting. But then again, you could say that about the whole year. So you know what? I'm hyped. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. It's going to be a hype season, man. We're, uh, we're making a season of our own and I really feel bad for the kids who who can't you know do anything right now especially the baseball players we're gonna try to give them shout outs we'll try to have them on the podcast if they're willing you know we want to give get them involved and and make them a part of our group so that way they don't feel like they've lost out on a chance to really get recognized and just you know voice their opinions at a time like this you know we've talked to through a, a few people so far just outside of the the Seiko world getting their opinions and and making sure that, you know, we, we include them and we want to get them on the podcast as well. So we're, we're excited for this season and, and I can't wait to uh, have our first guest on the show today. 
Mr. Aaron Malam. He's the CEO and head honcho over at Arroyo Seco Baseball. He founded this organization 14 years ago. He has his mission statement all about tradition and family and philosophy. And he's going to go into that today. And we're excited to have him on the show. I'm, I'm excited to finally talk to him and to get a, put a face to his voice that I've been hearing on all of these calls. And it's going to be a good time. I think we're going to have a great conversation about how the Seiko brand got started and honestly, how much it's evolved since it got started. You know, they were just a part of a Babe Ruth league and now they're part of the CCL. It's come so far and I'm excited to hear about his journey. It's going to be really fun and entertaining stuff. The team's journey as a whole is really interesting. Obviously, we play in Pasadena, which is a city that is beyond rich with baseball tradition. The whole, the whole L.A. area is a baseball hotbed in itself, and that, just, that stretches beyond the Dodgers and the Angels, but all the way down to developmental leagues and even into youth baseball. So, I, am, I mean, Aaron is the head honcho, the star of sorts of this organization that really started as nothing. And last year made it to the championship of the CCL in what I believe was their fourth season in California Collegiate League play, which is by college preps, prep league standards, absolutely ridiculous. I know. And the, the amount of network and traction that they've already built up and the kids that are willing to come play for them, they've gotten such a great network with these college coaches. And that's what you need to do. You need to be reliable and you need to be trustworthy that, you know, you're taking on these kids and, they're basically, you know, loners to you. You know, you're renting them out for the summer, so you, you got to give them back in the same condition. And, and I'm sure the head honcho, Aaron Milan, will agree. You know, he knows that these kids are, are just alone and that, you know, he takes really good care of them. And that's key because he houses them. He, you know, makes sure that they have a place to stay during the summer. And I think that that's unbelievable. And, you know, even the pool you were talking about just from L.A., you know, talk about the college level at SC. I mean, they're a recognized historic program with uh, Dado. And I mean, they, they have the most college championships in baseball out of any school by double. I mean, they have 12 and the next highest is six over at LSU, I believe. So it's just amazing the amount of talent that they have here that they can choose from. And I really respect these owners and the general managers for really coming together and building such a solid program for these kids to rely on. It's, it's amazing. And these, these five collegiate teams are, are some of the best in California, if not the best, especially at the college level. And I'm just excited to hear what Aaron has to say. It's going to be a great show today, Zach. I'm, I hope oh, you're absolutely. I, I know wait. you are. I can't wait to get going. I look, I, I'd show the face, but, uh, Right now, it's a mask-only zone for me, but under under the mask, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm, I've said hyped like three times. Let's go. Let's. I can feel been the in the works for good. so long, I, and I knew the second that the season was canceled, I was I reached out to Aaron and Tom and Nick, and I said, is there any way I could still participate in something, still take part in helping you guys make your summer 2020 season, even though there's not going to be nine nine guys on a baseball diamond. How can I make this special? How can I help? And this was exactly in the vein of what I was thinking. Couldn't agree more, Zach. It's, it's honestly something that I really appreciate them doing because these guys are volunteers and they have other jobs and they didn't have to do something like this, but 
that's how much this means to them. And they talk about the interns and how much they, you know, rely on them to keep them going. And it's just awesome to see that kind of recognition. And it's really a team effort from these guys. And you don't see that too often, um, especially, you know, from a, a nonprofit organization. So it's really nice that they're not about the money like some of the other leagues out there and that, you know, they're really out there to help these kids and to show them a good summer. You know, we've, we're going to have some guests on that um, are going to talk about later in the podcast on, I think we're going to do that in the next episode. We got uh, Bryce and JT. We're going to talk about their time at Seiko and how an unbelievable summer uh, they had. And just the summer that you can have there is it can change your life, you know, and it's something that, you could build friendships, you can network. And that's something I hope to do even at the intern level, we're already starting to do it. And it's, it can be a lifelong friendship. You know, you never know who you're going to meet, what's going to happen or the work experience you're going to get. And I'm just so thankful that we have this opportunity and it's going to be great. I'm excited to have him on and let's, let's get to it. Let's get to Aaron. Let's get him on the show. Absolutely. So without further ado, the CEO, manager, Transformers aficionado himself, Mr. Aaron Milan. Cut it. Cut it. Awesome. We have a very special guest joining the Seiko Sandlot today, CEO and head honcho of the Royal Seiko Baseball Organization himself. His name is Aaron Malam. He's coming in hot and he's here to join us today. How you doing, Aaron? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Glad to have you on the on the podcast. We're doing great. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. We're just happy to have you aboard. Wish we were with right. you in person. Yeah, we do too. We certainly do. So let's get right down into it, man. Let's uh, educate these people all about a Royal Seiko uh, history. The, uh, in your terms, discuss the origin of the organization and how you really feel that it has developed over the years. Well, I mean, I, I could go into the long version, but we probably don't have time for that. Um, essentially, what happened is that uh, when I moved back here from San Diego about 19 years ago, um, Nick, Tommy, and I, we, we were friends in high school, and we, we came back to the area from college, and um, there was a, uh, a team called the A's that was run here out of Pasadena, and the guy that was running it was actually my little league coach, um, and he was going to let it go. Um, you know, this older guy was going to retire and be done with it and asked if we wanted to take it and, and, and go. So we did. Um, and we just, you know, needed to figure out how to operate and how to do it. So we just ran a tryout, picked up some kids and <clears throat> ran a team with a schedule that was already set for us that the, <coughs> excuse me, that the guy had put together for us. Um, and we really enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was kind of our first experience. Um, I had been coaching in San Diego. Uh, at Sarah High School in Sierra Santa, and um, but it was the first experience, you know, being out on our own and, and, and running a squad, and we were young kids, and um, you know, I mean, the rest is history. From there, it uh, 18 years later, it uh, you know has grown into a full-fledged CCL team, and um, you know, the the premise of the team started with uh, it was the, the graduated senior model. Um, you wanted to do, what we wanted to do was put together kind of a college preparatory program that um, ran in the summer. Um, for high school seniors that were going on to college to play baseball. And then we would um, put them in situations that would be, mimic and be very similar to how they, what they would have to deal with when they get to college. Um, examples is that we would play 
um, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we try to play four games over a three-day slot. Um, that kind of mimics what the CCAA does here with the, the Division II conferences in California, um, where you're playing four games over three days. Um, and then uh, we play on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, so we give them a, a mimic of an, uh, a weekday game. Um, so they would essentially get five games a week out of the seven days, but they would have uh, their Wednesday, Thursdays off, and they'd have their Mondays off. Um, we do that, uh, you know, again, to mimic the collegiate schedule. Um, and, and we would schedule an independent schedule and play, you know, a lot of the local college teams that are either independent or in some of the, the other local type leagues that are around here. Um, and when we went from there, uh, you know, we made the kids travel together. Um, we went on the road. We'd go and we'd stay overnight. We'd put them in hotels, give them roommates. Um, you know, give them curfews and so forth, just to, to kind of mimic what it would be like in college. Um, you know, and that grew. It grew and grew, and we recruited for it. And, and you know, our first team, I remember, was mostly kids that lived here in, in, in the local Pasadena area, you know, west side San Gabriel Valley, and La Cunada, San Marino, and uh, south Pasadena, Temple City, Monrovia, you know, and Arcadia. And it got bigger and bigger. Um, and we ran that graduated senior model uh, until, gosh, I think it was 2014. 14 or so um and by then i mean yeah you had kids coming that were you know they lived in santa barbara to temecula um you know had a few kids that were being boarded that would um you know uh, either a college coach would call and say hey this guy's got family that down there um he can stay with the family can he can he play with you guys this summer and you know we weren't in the housing business at that time so um you know, we'd say yeah that, that works and you know a few guys were boarded uh, but that was essentially the model. I mean, Southern California is pretty rich with baseball talent, and so we don't have to go too far and look for it. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I hate to refer to it as a business because it's not. It's a nonprofit for us. It's our, it's our charity. It's our hobby. But as uh, in, 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 in any business, nonprofit or not, um, you've got to change with the clientele and you've got to adapt to your market to be able to survive and to be able to grow um, and to be able to improve because the old adage there is that you're either moving forward or you're moving backward. Um, you're not just staying stagnant. Um, and what we saw was we saw that more of the college coaches were trying to place their incoming freshmen uh, in, in collegiate leagues. Um, you know, I can tell you that we had had over the years um, a few kids that were going to UCLA um, that were local guys for the area that would play for us before they would go to school. Um, and then um, come you know, 12, 13, 14, it was really hard to get kids that were going to UCLA because they were sending most of those kids to the West Coast League. And, uh, you know, albeit that rightfully so, that, 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 that was a good move for them. It's a good move for the kids and it's a good move for the school um, to have those kids playing in a full-fledged collegiate league against, you know, older kids and getting ready to see what it's going to be like in college. Um, so the decision was made that, hey, we, we need to grow. We need to change. We need to, to, to change our clientele because we're losing this graduated senior market. The the availability for them uh, to come out and play in, in the, the abundance that we had them, especially when the local guys, they was just, saw it starting to, to go downhill a little bit. Um, so we, we decided to make the change and um, it was, we had some wins and we had some losses and uh, both on and off the field and we had to figure out what we were doing. Um, and um, at that time I decided that I'd stop coaching the team and that I'd, I'd move behind the scenes and, um, GM the program to see how we're going to do this changeover because um, we had a lot of you know uh, operational items that needed to get built up um, and Nick and I really took on a lot of that task um, you know we had to buy a bus um, that was one of them um, you know we had to change our fundraising models because the fundraising models usually were just us paying for stuff out of pocket and you know um, and after that it was yeah this is not a 
$15,000 organization anymore. It's a $150,000 organization. And so we need to figure out how to, how to do this. Um, you know, one of the bigger items was being able to house all these kids, uh, you know, from going from an organization that didn't house anybody to growing and growing. Um, so this year, you know, our roster this year, we had 32 kids that were supposed to be boarded here. Um, you know, 32 of the 40 were, were, were guys that were coming in that were going to be living here with us. So, um, you know, that whole uh, institution of housing kids in the summer, like that, that, that changes things. You know, it, it really changed the dynamic and we had to get that set up. And then um, getting the youth camp set up really kind of fell in our lap because when I um, stopped coaching high school baseball, I, I was hired at Occidental College and we got to partner with them for the youth camp and um, kind of how we, we meshed that in with the Saints kids working that uh, has been a really good thing because they get to give back to the community and coach these kids. Um, also, it gives them a chance to, to make a buck if they need, you know, to earn some disposable income while they're here. And now um, the youth you know, camp, can, that that's merged with Seiko, you said? They work together and that's like a, a charity thing that you guys do and you partner with a, a different organization? Well, it's Occidental, it's Occidental College's youth baseball camp that they have during the summer and there's eight weeks of it um and for uh six to seven of those eight weeks um the saints players staff the camp um they're the camp counselors and we we organize the shifts and um you know part of the uh part of the requirements for the players coming here is that they got to work a week of youth camp for us it's they they work one shift a day not not two so they work three hours a day um, and for five days, and it's typically not five days in a row, we break it up. So they're working two days one week and three days another week. Um, and, you know, we try to pair it around days where travel days versus home game days. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole intention of it is, A, to give back to the community. And so the kids, you know, they see all these guys that are coaching them in the youth camp, and then the kids will come out and they'll watch these guys play baseball at night when they're playing down at the at the brook. But, um, you know, the other thing, like I said, it gives the, the, the players an opportunity to make a little bit of disposable income um, so that they can support themselves while they're here. Um, but, you know, back on track with the, the history, I mean, we, we essentially converted the program there. We went for a couple years where we had to run two teams because um, we, we were still servicing the graduated senior market and we were playing in some of the local leagues and we're still running as an independent. Um, you know, and then the, you know, the plan was always to join the California Collegiate League, but we didn't want to jump in um, without having a foundation set up to be able to, to support ourselves both financially and, uh, you know, operationally and, you know, on the field of play. So um, we, we handled that and it went, you know, faster than I thought, to be honest. But um, by 16, we, we were with the CCL and we've been growing ever since and it's it's been a wild ride. And uh, you know, this last year in 19, I felt like our, our you know, operational institutions were, were to the point where I could go back and coach again, because um, that was what the part that I really loved. Um, there was a, you know, you look at it and, and we're, we're, the, the, the trajectory of this is, is where I wanted it to be, is that we're getting better and better every year. The type of players, the quality of players that we're getting. Um, I, mean, I was looking at what this year's roster was going to be. It was, it was crazy, you know. Uh, it's going to be uh, really good. You know, and last year, I mean, we were a playoff team and, and we lost the Foresters in the Southern Southern Division Championship. I mean, uh, you know, just a couple of years being in the league, that's I think that's pretty good. So the trajectory um, is there. Uh, the foundation is there. The operations are there. So the sky's the limit at this point. Gradually built up guys that we were boarding. Um, and like I said, we last year we boarded 24, 25 kids, I think. Um, and you know, each year was a few more. We started boarding about 10, 11, and then it was in the teens, 16, 17, and 
and then we get into the 20s and I, I didn't know what to expect but I'll tell you the same thing especially adding the intern crew because I didn't get to speak about that I mean what you guys are doing right now is a huge part of the transition of this program um, you know we didn't have this support when when we were graduated senior team it was Nick Tommy and I trying to make this thing work with some of our really good friends who were helping us coach the team um, but ha having the, the intern program you saw last year um, you know there was a 20 some interns 40 players and they were all thrown here in Southern California and in the Pasadena area show up for this sprint of a season um, and try to figure out how to operate in, in, in what capacity. God, it was, uh, it was just awesome to watch that. And it was awesome to see how, how quickly they grew together and how good of friends they became and how much they enjoyed each other and um, how much they enjoyed hanging out with each other. Um, so really like that, that, that to me is what describes the Saints family today. And, and, and being able to see that, that culminate year to year here going forward is, is, um, really why I do this. It's really why, why, why we all do this. Um, you know, traditions are, are different today than they were in the past, but um, I, I still think that each year brings upon its own traditions that, that, that will, will probably resonate with kids. You know, they may not remember it the next year. They may not remember it five years from now, but they may be sitting there 10 years or 20 years from now watching their own kids go play collegiate summer baseball, and they're going to remember back to something that they did when they were playing here. Um, and how it affected them and, you know, what kind of difference it made in their life. Um, but that's how I apply, uh, you know, uh, you can say our mission statement, that's how I apply it and how I think of it uh, when I'm with our players and with our team and as we're doing this 10, 10 months worth of work that leads up to the two-month season. Um, and then just to say a little bit on, um, you know, the, you said the, you mentioned the other teams that are in the area. Yeah, there's six Southern Division uh, CCL teams within a two- to three-hour drive. Um, and I will tell you with, uh, out of doubt, uh, I, I unequivocally can state that those, these are the best teams in Southern California and the teams in the California Collegiate League are the best teams hands down in California. Um, I was with one of, when we ran two teams, I was a founding member of the Sunset League, which is one of the local leagues here. Um, and then I also ran a team in the Southern California League and we've played teams from the WBA. We've played teams. Uh, that run independently. We play teams that run, and you name it, here in California. Um, the organization, the, the 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 organizations that are in the California Collegiate League, um, again, I can unequivocally say are, are the best organizations that are in California, uh, from top to bottom, um, in in every aspect of how they operate. Um, I I have no when I'm in that room with those teams when we're meeting. Um, uh, you know, I can vouch for every single one of those programs. Um, we are all doing this while we may have our own skew and have our own process on how we do it. Um, the motivations and the reasons that we do it are all the same. Um, and what it boils down to is it boils down to a very player-centric environment. Um, no one is sitting here uh, lining their pockets trying to make uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars like they do in some of the other um, leagues that are in the country that are not-for-profit. Um, and like they do in some of the other local leagues that are really just a pay for play. Um, that is not the premise of this league. This is a, a player-centric developmental league for uh, players that are appropriate for the level of play. Um, and you know, no one is trying to make a buck on them. Um, what the players invest in the league all goes back to pay for themselves. Um, what Major League Baseball invests in the league uh, goes back to contribute to the players. So. Uh, I, I can't talk about the quality of our teams enough. Um, 
and they, I, I have a very high admiration for everybody that operates in this league, um, you know, and we would not be where we were. We, we would not, this league wouldn't be, not be where it is today without the Santa Barbara Foresters, um, you know, and they are due, uh, you know, every, every respect that they, they get their due from what he's done there uh, for 33 years. Awesome. What aspects do you feel are the most important in maintaining such a, you know, stellar program in your eyes? Uh, you know, it's not any different than coaching a regular team, a school coaching, you know, again, I'm the pitching coach at Occidental College. Um, it, it's, it's, getting there is not that different. And, and honestly, it starts with recruiting. Um, you know, any coach that you talk to uh, who doesn't say recruiting plays the predominant factor in their ability to succeed is not telling you the truth. Um, you have to be able to recruit. Um, you have to be able to attract athletes, however you want to put it. Um, you've got to have something that, that says, hey, I'm going to get players here. Um, and at the collegiate summer baseball level, um, the ability to recruit is really based on your network of college coaches. Um, it's not to say that that network can't be developed, that network can't be uh, groomed, and that it can't be increased over time, um, but it really is based off of your network. Um, I think it grows every year. Um, you know, you'll pick up a new guy, you'll try to solicit a coach to get a player from one school, and then that one player will come and he'll have a good experience and go back to his school. And then when you ask that coach for players for the next year, you know, you, just, you can try to tactfully mention, hey, you know, you'd like to... Uh, increase the profile of the player that we're getting from you guys. Um, but uh, it, it starts with recruiting and that's really hands down uh, the, the <laughs> how you win. I mean, uh, I'm not you know, trying to blow smoke at anybody here. It's not like they come here and we teach them, you know, the X's and O's of baseball and make them a, a better player off the bat. They're good players to start with. Um, as I said before, in the previous uh, answer, you know, what one of the premises of, of collegiate summer baseball is that they they come here and they hear the same message from us as they do their college coaches um, and they have the same expectations from us um, as their college coaches have of them when they're in school um, and the third thing is with collegiate summer baseball this is the closest that you can get to professional baseball before you get paid i mean what i mean by that is it's, it's about the experience right you, you you get to play baseball unfettered you don't have class. Um, you don't have homework. Uh, you don't have the social pressures of what's going on around you in your school. Um, you know, for the most part, hopefully you didn't bring your girlfriend with you. I've had one player do that in all the years that I've done this. Uh, you know, but, so you don't have that, right? You're stuck here. You're on island. You're playing, you're playing baseball every day. And, um, you know, you're, you know, you have one day off every other than that, you're playing baseball six out of seven days. Uh, and you have to learn how to manage that you know you have to learn how to manage your health um and your body and fatigue and uh you know being able to you know of course they're young kids they're gonna go out you know they're gonna hang out do what any 18 to 22 year old kid's gonna do but hey you know you want a professional baseball you gotta learn how to manage that too you know, with being able to play baseball so um that that aspect of it is no different than uh you know what they would get in, in the minor leagues um, so you merge that with the expectations that their college coaches would have of them, um, with, which is, hey, you know, be able to show up and, and do your work um, and get what you need to get out of this um, and be a little bit autonomous because 
Um, I'm not, they're not spending September through December with me. I'm not giving them a foundation. You know, there's no throwing program that we're giving you to ramp up for the spring season. Um, you know, there's no lifting program. We're, we give them a membership to 24 hour fitness. And we, you know, we ask the coaches to send them with a workout plan that they would like them to, to, to do, but you know, I'm not babysitting them to make sure that they're doing it. Um, you know, we're, we're going to give them a membership to a gym and provide the facilities for them. Um, and the same thing. We're going to open the field for early work. If you want to get your throwing in, if you want to get some extra hacks in, come do it, but I'm not, I'm not going to babysit you. Um, so um, along those lines, I, I, I really think that we, we just keep the same expectations that their college coaches would keep and, and you know, go back and hope that we recruited the right guys. Yeah, it seems a lot about like operation and your network and not really about pushing the players, but trusting that they have, you know, their own set of structure and foundation that they've come from. And obviously, you know, they have their own coaches in, at the college level and you can't, you know, manipulate any kind of pitching mechanics because then you'll get heat from them about, you know, changing my pitcher's delivery or, you know, you messed up his field work or anything. And and it seems like you guys just really give them the tools and you give them the encouragement and you have a lot of good operational structure to where you've succeeded and you made the finals last year in just three years. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I think being a college coach myself, I, I get to look at this from um, a slightly different perspective than a lot of the teams in the league, a lot of the co coaches that coach teams in this league. Um, uh, these are not the players that come. These are not our guys. These right. guys are on loan, okay? Um, I'm borrowing these guys from their, their college coaches and from their schools, um, you know, and I was always taught that when you borrow something from somebody, you better return it in as good a condition as you received it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm very sensitive to that fact throughout the summer. Um, you know, I advocate for, for, you know, these guys to get out of the summer what they need to get out of it. Um, you know, I may have a guy that comes here who, you know, who is a, Tuesday starter for his team and he's thrown 60 some innings and you know or 70 some innings and hey I you know I only need to get 22 innings out of this this summer um you know and then and, and the selfish thing to do in that sense but okay well you're going to start four games and you're going to go for six innings a game and you're going to be done and we'll send you home but um you know what I would prefer to do in that sense is say okay well this guy's got to get his 20 some innings so you know we're going to use you in spurts of twos and so you're going to learn a different role um, or, you know, if the role that your coach wants you to play is still as the starter, um, then we'll probably taper that down. You'll start and you'll go three, and, you know, and then the next guy will come in and do his thing. Um, so that part of summer baseball has to kind of be tapered to the player and to the expectations of the coach. But, you know, at the same time, these guys are on loan. Um, you know, nothing that we would want to do that um, would, would jeopardize a relationship with one of the schools to get players in the future from that same program because, um, you know, these players, they might be here for a year. Some guys might be here for two, but you hope that, the, the relationship with the school is going to go on for many years to come. All right. So my next question to you is, and obviously this is everything is up in the air. Nobody really knows what the future holds, but what is one word or phrase that, that you think represents what the future holds for the entire program? That is the Arroyo Sacred Saints. Uh, gosh, I, I mean, I know it's a tough question. Yeah, I mean, collegiate baseball in general, the word I would tell you is uncertain <laughs> just because of all the different uh, proposals that are out there. Um, I mean, I guess let me start with that. And I'm trying not to um, – won't try to make this too long. Um, collegiate – summer baseball and collegiate baseball, I mean, that's, it's, there's a lot of things that are out there. There's proposals. 
proposals right now to start the season later, um, end the season later, and go into July. Um, you know, we've heard that Major League Baseball would like to see the draft in August, which um, they were talking about that before uh, the, the COVID situation hit the country, you know, and they saw the draft in August. Then what does that do to the collegiate summer leagues? Now you're adding in graduated seniors so that those guys can get evaluated in the draft. Um, that really changes how, how you look at the collegiate summer league altogether there, right? Um, then, uh, you know, we also have, you know, we don't just pull division one guys. I mean, yeah, the roster's 30 some division one guys, but there's probably, you know, another 15% of the rosters that come from the other divisions, um, be it two, three NAIA junior college, um, you know, in California here, um, the junior colleges have adopted a schedule this year where they're going, uh, the season doesn't start till March and it ends in the, you know, I think the, the regionals here, like the 23rd, 4th and 5th of June. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be some scheduling stuff that we're going to have to deal with on the field because we share this field with one of the local junior colleges. Um, you've also seen the Arizona, not, not all of them, but a, a good amount of the Arizona junior colleges have canceled sports for all of next year. Um, you know, some of that has to do with budgetary reasons. But yeah. um, so so what is the state of um, collegiate summer baseball? I think I think as a whole, I think there's some uncertainty. Um, and I, I don't think all of the uncertainty is bad. Um, I think that uh, collegiate summer baseball is somewhat saturated um, because, uh, you know, face it, we heard uh, a number of coaches, uh, including Tim Corbin and including Jay Johnson speak at ABCA over the last several years, um, you know, and, and, you know, to paraphrase, uh, you know, whether we like it or not, the travel ball generation is here um, and they're in college now. Um, and what you get from that uh, trickles into the collegiate summer baseball aspect is that you have a lot of these travel ball coaches that now want to run collegiate summer baseball because the kids will pay for it. Um, and I, I, that has saturated the collegiate summer baseball model. And it's the reason why um, the only destination that we were willing to end in, in where, where we are geographically located would be the California collegiate league, because I believe that there's a lot of leagues that are out there that, um, and I'm not going to say all, and I'm not going to say all teams, but I believe that there's a good percentage of, of local level leagues and teams that are doing it for profit. Um, yep. And I, with that saturation and with the uncertainty, that we're going to see going forward. Um, I, I, so when I said that, I don't think it's all bad. Um, I think that that uncertainty will help desaturate the, the market a little bit. Um, I think that some of those teams will, will thin, some of those leagues will thin. Um, is there a gap that may get filled? Yeah. Um, and we're seeing it now here uh, in California that um, instead of the rogue or, or, or lot fragmented independent teams coming together to form a league, um, you have people that want to just start their own league and, and run all the teams in the league. Um, and that's how they want to run and make their profit. And that's going on here in San Diego and it's going on up in Northern California and, and here uh, in, in the greater LA area per se. But um, is that what fills the gap? Maybe, maybe not, you know, we never, you, you never know. Um, but what's going to going to present the issue is um, if your high school and your your colleges, as we've seen, the push your junior colleges push back their schedules. Um, that's going to affect your uh, local uh, type of less prominent collegiate leagues because they won't have facilities to operate on um, during the time when they try to go, which is that last week in May through the first couple weeks in July. Um, so, uh, you know, and then as far as the Saints, um, 
I would tell you that my answer would be the opposite. It's that uncertainty is the farthest thing from a one word description of what's going forward with us. Um, I think that we have a, done a really good job um, of preparing uh, for a, a multi-year future. We're not just looking to 2021. Um, we have a lot of things uh, that are, are a lot of uh, items that are going in place that uh, will prepare us for the next you know, two to five years. Um, and, and that's really how we're forecasting is over a five year uh, time frame because um, you, know, you, you don't know exactly what's gonna happen scheduling wise, but we can forecast budgets and we can forecast you know, doing some nice things for our players. Um, you know, if, if, if it gets to be, I can give you an example, if it gets to be where the local junior colleges are pushed back and we can't get on the fields, then maybe we take these kids to Alaska next summer, um, you know, and go for the first week or so um, and try to play one of those teams or maybe we just go get on the road and, and get in our bus and go do a road trip and play the, you know, some teams and go, you know, have a, have a trip for the, the beginning of the season, you know, I, it's hypothetical, but um, it's been talked about and it's been budgeted for. Uh, so um, I, I think uncertainty is the farthest thing to describe what um, we're going to do as, as a program. Um, I think growth would be one word to describe us. Um, I think fortitude would be a, a word to describe us. Um, and I think cohesiveness would be another word to describe what's going to happen with the Saints because of, um, you know, you guys uh, are a testament to this. We're not, we don't even have a baseball season going on right now, but we've got good people like you guys here working for us in the summer um, doing your internships. Um, and we're talking about this on, on, on July 13th without a baseball season going, but we're still working on, you know, what's the future of the Saints. That's right. And it seems like, you know, it's awesome that you have uh, certainty in, in terms of uh, an uncertain future. And that's awesome right now. And I think a lot of people need to be more confident and just know what they're doing and, and stick to what they have done to get themselves success. And, and you guys are doing that. You guys have fortitude. You guys are strong. And I see a lot of growth in your future. And I'm really excited to be a part of the team. And I'm sure Zach is too. I don't want to he is. I know it. Thank I can you. see him. He's ready. He's excited. It's going to be a good season. I am. I am ready. I am excited. I wouldn't be interning for a team in California while living in New Jersey if I did not care very deeply about the organization, your values, and the ways you're putting your feet forward for not just this summer, but for future summers. So I couldn't say that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's why that's why I've got a lot of confidence going forward. You know, at um, the reason that we we are where we are um, is is because of what you, what you guys are doing right now. You know, you're, you're dedicating your time. Um, Nick and Tommy and I have again. This has been our nonprofit venture. This is our our pet project. Um, none of us have ever taken one dime of paycheck uh, for any work that we've ever done here. Um, this is a, truly a nonprofit to us, and it's truly, uh, you know, we, we, money has nothing to do with it. You know, the money that we raise goes back to the kids. Um, That's key. Yeah, men, That's very say, important. You know, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because as you were saying it, I was doing this before you even said it. They're all about the money. and. You know, I, I don't like that it's about profit. And even at the club and in the travel ball level, you know, it excludes a lot of these kids who, who maybe can't afford it. And especially it might be their only opportunity to play summer ball. It was, you know, this one travel ball team and they don't have the money. It's just horrible. Like, you know, it's very exclusive. And I, I appreciate and I hope more youth camps come out of, of your organization and others. And you guys, you know, continue to work nonprofit. It's amazing. It's really 
really shows a testament to who you guys are and your message. Yeah, our uh, uh, being able to, to pay has never been a criteria of being able to play here with us. Um, you know, that's that I don't even bring up the costs or, you know, they, they, like, again, they don't pay us anything for an out-of-state player that comes here pay, pays the same thing that he pay, he would pay if he went to the Cape, um, which is that he pays for his housing. Um, and if they can't afford that, uh, you know, we try to go out and find sponsors to subsidize it. Um, you know, I'll give it without mentioning who the kid is. I can tell you, we had a kid that came here last year um, and his coach said, Hey, you know, this is a great kid. Um, you're going to like coaching him and he's a great player. Um, but uh, you know, they're, they're on, on, he's on work study and scholarship and loans. And he doesn't pay anything to go to school here. Um, he can't pay anything to go out there. And they said, okay, um, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll send him out. And that's how it's always been. We'll figure it out. And I can tell you that that kid, he was everything that his coaches said. Um, he worked, he, he signed up for every day of youth camp that he could. Um, and that kid um, essentially played, uh, didn't pay a dime to be here. He paid for his housing, got his housing paid by working youth camp, um, pretty much got all his incidentals paid for by using working youth camp. And he probably left here with about 500 bucks in his pocket um, to take wow. home for the summer. Um, so, uh, you know, it's never, it's never been about uh, anyone trying to having to pay a bill or can't pay a bill. And I, I, I always tell coaches as recruit players, um, you know, I don't make it about the price. If you can't pay for his housing, let me know. We'll figure it out. That's great. Thank you so much, Aaron. Anything left to add, Zach? What? You're, uh... Did you have anything left to add, Zach? No, you answered everything. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. You were great. Aaron. That was Aaron Malam. No, you guys bet. You bet. Dicko Sandlot. Thank you. you Dicko Sandlot. Thanks, guys. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Take care. All right. Take care.